Mm. On this uh, auspicious morning when we are in a way honoring, recognizing all that's happened in this hall for what, uh, over 20 years. And with this uh, time of transition, moving into somewhat more elegant uh, places to meet, I wanted to reflect some on the theme of change, transitions, impermanence in general, and then connect it to what's actually happening with our transition here from one one space to to another. And and that transition from this space will be connected with the uh, ending of the existence of this hall fairly soon. Uh, So I wanted to reflect generally on themes of change, transition, impermanence, and for the, uh, after a fairly short talk, then do a group ritual where we can ourselves reflect both in terms of our own lives and in terms of uh, what this hall has meant to us. I want to bring in uh, Sylvia's voice to some extent from our conversation yesterday. So it's helpful always to remember what our basic practice is, why we gather here, and why in the context of that, of this core practice, why reflection on transitions and change and impermanence uh, can be very helpful and is in so many psychological and spiritual traditions is really central. I like to think of the core of our practice in a very simple, ordinary English way with no technical Dharma terms. And that way is, is, is very simple. And we could say that what we're interested in is moment to moment and in the important moments as well of our lives, but moment to moment, learning to be responsive rather than reactive. That's the simplest way to talk about our practice. I think that that unpacks the teaching of the Four Noble Truths, which is the fact that we become reactive. I prefer reactivity as a translation of dukkha rather than suffering. Reactivity refers to this tendency to compulsively or automatically push away or grab hold, to grasp. In other words, to be in a way out of balance in the present moment and relatively unconscious. And so we're interested in being able to be with each moment of experience increasingly with responsiveness, which could be said to be code for freedom. Can I be free in each moment? Can I respond in each moment? And so if I were to unpack 
the meaning of being responsive, I would talk about being free. And of course, the other side of that is seeing where we're unfree. And it's looking to where we're reactive, where I'm on automatic, where I'm unconscious or relatively unconscious. My own personal patterns, my own way that I'm caught up in more universal patterns of reactivity in which I'm not really free, but I'm pushed and pulled by the past. And right at the center of our practice is looking at that conditioning that pushes and pulls us. Some of that conditioning is more personal, some of it is more social, some of it is more universal, having to do with our very nature as human beings and the challenges of being human beings. And so I think we could unpack that meaning of being responsive. It means being skillful in action, skillful moment to moment in relating to what comes up in experience. It depends on being aware of what's happening in the present moment. We can't be responsive and skillful without knowing what's going on. Enter mindfulness. (laughs) Yay, mindfulness. Go mindfulness. (laughs) I almost said go warriors. (laughs) I haven't had any uh, uh, more Stephen Curry dreams. I I think I've told you that... I told you about dreams where I was, you know, in my life, quite a lot of basketball dreams. I was, when I was younger, I was aspiring basketball player. Anyway, uh, so, so we, um, we look into what being responsive means. We have to be aware of the present moment. We have to be mindful. We have to see clearly. Responsiveness is connected with wisdom, with noticing what's going on. It's related to, to compassion. Deep responsiveness involves a freedom of the heart and an openness of the heart as well as of the mind and body. So I think we could, you know, we could take this notion of responsiveness rather than reactivity and see how it really implies all of our practice, I think in a fairly down-to-earth way. <clears throat> So the, the two phases of our practice, as it were, is that we see where we're stuck, where we're reactive, where we can't be responsive, and we study that. A lot of our practice is actually to hang out with times and parts of our life and tendencies of mind and heart and body where we can't be responsive, where we can't be fully responsive the tool of mindfulness helps us. And it's actually kind of a pivot because when we're mindful of when we're reactive or stuck, the secret is we're not 100% stuck. That's the secret. That's the transformative pivot, as it were. Because when I'm mindful of being stuck, part of me is not stuck. The part that's mindful. When I'm mindful of anger, I'm not angry or part of me at least, is not angry. When I'm mindful of fear, 
part of me is not afraid. And so mindfulness is this uh, um, free aspect that we strengthen. And that becomes the pivot where we can open to uh, responsiveness, to freedom. And mindfulness is really, in a way, a technical term for a basic human capacity to be aware, to pay attention, to notice. And we cultivate it. We cultivate it more, and it increases the dimension of responsiveness and freedom. So, on the one hand, we study where we're stuck, and in that moment, we're not fully stuck. And then we also, the second real aspect of practice, or phase of practice, is that we increase beautiful qualities. This is always, I think, the rhythm of spiritual practice. We look into where there's difficulty, distress, stuckness, reactivity, on the one hand, and we cultivate qualities like mindfulness, for care, compassion, love, wisdom, equanimity, generosity, balance. (coughs) And this is kind of a tandem. And depending on where we are with our practice, sometimes we emphasize more one or the other. Sometimes at the beginning, it's important really to establish the beautiful qualities and get them stronger. So in that context, how do we look at that transition from one building to another? (laughs) How can we be responsive towards change? And we know from our practice that looking into change and transition, often under the rubric of looking into impermanence, is right at the heart of our practice. Traditionally, the examination of impermanence is linked with one of the three major areas of liberating insight. We've looked at this a lot, that the, you know, when we wonder uh, what is insight meditation, what, spo- what kinds of insights are we supposed to have? Uh, we could answer that in some detail. Traditionally, the answer was typically not given so much in terms of personal insights, although I think personal insights are very crucial, but given in terms of insights into the very nature of experience. And insight into impermanence, traditionally, is one of the three areas, along with insight into uh, dukkha, or reactivity, sometimes translated as suffering, and insight into the very nature of our self, or our being insight into anatta, or not-self, is in the traditional sense. And, and so traditionally, one would look at the nature of change and really want to look at it carefully. We would look into this uh, on a more gross level by contemplating how change is continually happening at a more gross level in the physical world, in the social political world, how change and impermanence are the rule. You know, countries rise and fall, empires rise and fall, politicians rise and fall, uh, 
presidential primary seasons rise and fall, uh, individual lives begin and end, the seasons occur, cars begin and end, <laughs> you know, and we're, we're invited to contemplate this. The reason for the contemplation of impermanence on this gross level is especially to ask ourselves what's important. Because we especially don't really look into the fact of death and the fact of endings. We often tend to think that everything is permanent, even though intellectually we know that that's not the case. And the invitation is to look carefully at impermanence, sometimes at this gross level, sometimes at a more subtle level, where we're looking at impermanence moment to moment in our experience, where we're studying how my words come and go, how there's change at that more moment to moment level. And this is a core practice that we do. The aim is wisdom. The aim is to see more clearly. The aim is to cut through some of our assumptions about things being permanent. You know, and I, I mentioned in a series of talks on impermanence several months ago that our language actually tends to make us think that things are more permanent than they are. We tend to use nouns, and the nouns seem to suggest that there's a tree, and there's always going to be a tree, even though, again, intellectually we know better. So there are a lot of reasons why actually noticing change is hard. The main reason, again, in, in all the spiritual traditions where one contemplates change, transition, and death even, or the beginnings and endings, is to ask oneself, how am I living? Do I want to make changes? Am I living according to my deepest purposes? That's always what these contemplations are about. And we can use, I think, the contemplation of the actual change from being in this building to <clears throat> being in a new building to go more deeply, and I hope that some of the reflections which we'll do in the ritual will help in that way. I've also been reflecting on this theme uh, of change and impermanence and transitions quite a bit related to the death of my mother, Bernice. <clears throat> of course, the obvious change <clears throat> and, and loss, but also at the present time, I and my siblings are going through her possessions. We're clearing out the house and so forth. Some of you have done this mm -hmm. with parents or with friends, perhaps. You know, and it's a, it, in itself, it's a quite a powerful process of relating to change. You know, and I was just reflecting in, in having that process be very alive uh, you know, right at this moment, that there's a lot there when one really contemplates change and transition. That it's not just about loss and ending, but I'm, you know, <clears throat> this week I'm uh, going in detail through my mother's books. 
I've never looked so closely. She had a lot of books. I've never looked so closely at them. I didn't even know she had some of them. To see the notes from my father to her or one of the children to her and to look carefully, there is a lot of learning. There's a lot of appreciation. It's interesting. And then we're also going to give almost all of them away. You know, there can be in transition and even in change like this, elements of generosity, right? Uh, I was talking with Sylvia, and Sylvia said that she's given away most of her books. Quite a number of people want to clear out at a certain point in their lives. You know, I read a story about a man who lived until his uh, 90s who gave away almost everything before he died, including almost all of his money. Right? And he said it was quite a process. You know, and for me, really I'm using this time, not just going through her possessions, but it partly out of necessity, <clears throat> it corresponds to a massive spring cleaning <laughs> on my own part, <laughs> which is, again, it's relate, how do I relate to the objects in the world? How do I relate to them? And so there, again, there are qualities of letting go, generosity, appreciation, inquiry, what's important? How do I relate to things, to buildings, to objects? Interesting questions, right? We can really, we can really look in that way. I think transitions are very important because we can use them as a time to look more deeply. I remember when I was teaching, at the, I taught four years at the University of Kentucky, uh, mostly undergraduates. And uh, I remember at the end of semesters, I would urge them to really take some time to reflect on their own learning process. Because there are so many tendencies to just keep being busy. That was certainly their tendency, to finish with a semester and immediately, whatever, start working or doing something. And I remember urging them, transitions are times when you can really look more deeply and see what your intentions are, your purposes are, what you've learned. And so there's something very valuable about making use of transitions. Again, I don't think we do it well in our society by and large. You know, even birthdays could be a time of really looking deeply. And maybe sometimes they are, some, but often they're not. So, so this is really an urging to look deeply at transitions. It's really the stop, which again is hard in our culture, hard just to stop and to, to look and to say, what's wise right now? What's, what, what, what's wise for me? So I thought of that in relation to this building. And I think it's helpful just to look at the somewhat a, of the uh, sweep of history of this building. And in, in a little while, we'll do some reflections together. But I was talking with Sylvia, and she was reflecting. It's interesting just to reflect historically, you know, until what? Uh, less than 200 years ago, these were the hunting 
and gathering grounds of the Coast Miwok people. One of their 19th century leaders was named Chief Marin, for whom Marin County is named. If you want to look at a book about it, there's a nice book which I brought in about Chief Marin. If you want to learn some of the history of this very part of the land, you can do that. So the Coast Miwok had lived here for thousands of years. There have been artifacts <clears throat> discovered not far from here which have been dated at least 4,000 years old. And so the Coast Miwok were here. Of course, the very name Spirit Rock comes from the Coast Miwok, as far as I know, that rock in the field. And so that's part of our lineage here. We've inherited land that was once land of the Coast Miwok. Fast forward a little bit. 1980s. <laughs> the Spirit Rock is bought, partly, as you may know, out of a kind of a gift and an exchange and change and transition, this land was uh, owned. Again, Coast Miwok didn't think of owning the land. Uh, but the uh, land prior to Spirit Rock owning the land was owned, if I remember correctly, by the uh, Rainforest Action Network. Or, or maybe, no, it was maybe, maybe thought, was the, maybe not that, that's not correct. That was. The Nature Conservancy. I, I think I'm getting a little bit mixed up, but I know that the, the money that was used to buy Spirit Rock went to buy rainforest in South America, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, Nature Conservancy, that's right. Um, and so Spirit Rock uh, came into being. Before Spirit Rock came into being, before anyone could even imagine this building, people were gathering in the basement of James Barraza's house in Oakland. There was a group house that he lived in called Harwood House, and there was a small board that was gathering in the 1980s. They had a vision of some center. They didn't know where it would be. It was called Insight Meditation West. Of course, at that time, they didn't know about Spirit Rock. <laughs> right? And so the land was bought, Someone came up with the idea of calling it Spirit Rock because there was this big, beautiful rock called Spirit Rock as part of the land. And soon uh, there were retreats happening, but the first retreats weren't here. The first retreats were at, in uh, Yucca Valley with Jack Cornfield. Uh, they were at uh, Santa Sabina in San Rafael. They were at the Angela Center in Santa Rosa. How many of you have done retreats at one of those places? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and then people started practicing here. Before this building was here, people practiced in tents out in the meadow here. Sat outside. How many remember that? <laughs> people practiced in the meadow. And then... Uh, this uh, building was rented. These are modular temporary buildings. The, these were slated for destruction about 15 years ago. <laughs> so there's a way in which this building is ready to go. 
In fact, some the staff know very well that it was ready to go a long time ago because there were in some of the buildings there were um, for quite a while there were drips, there were uh, animal habitats, <laughs> and so forth. And, and so this building uh, was rented, came into being, but it was precarious somewhat. In the early time, people weren't sure about what would happen at Spirit Rock. Um, it was thought that a large number of people among those interested in Spirit Rock were carpenters. <laughs> it was thought that the carpenters would just build everything. That didn't happen. Uh, so it was thought to rent a modular building. The money was a little bit uh, uh, uncertain earlier on. Sylvia told me the story of at a certain point, $240,000 was due on this building. The money was not there. People weren't sure what was going to happen. Sylvia went out to lunch with a woman who asked about the building and said, how much money is needed? And she said, well, you know, that's a lot, $240,000. A little while later, a check came in the mail for $240,000. Oh, there have been a lot of that. We talked, Sylvia used the word miracle in talking about how things have happened at certain times. That's one of them, right? Uh, so we may take, again, we may take things as more solid and permanent that, than they are. In actuality, there are all sorts of things that were connected with the uh, development of this building. <clears throat> and then later, you know, the development of the new buildings. Uncertain, right? People needed to respond to have the money for the new buildings. And the response is, I think, almost entirely, entirely there. I was talking again with Sylvia yesterday. She said, look what happened. You know, we, we have uh, quite a community. I don't know what the mailing list is or the number of people who come through Spirit Rock every year. It must be in the thousands or tens of thousands, right? Look what happened. Things have grown. And now we're in a, another phase of moving into what some may think are permanent buildings. <laughs> Need I say more? Uh, so here we are. And so what I'd like to do is to take us into a series of reflections. And this is where it would be helpful to have the piece of paper and a writing implement and, and have the chant sheet uh, near you. Is there anyone who doesn't have any of these, the writing implement or the piece of paper? Or how many, how many need the chant sheet? Does anyone need the chant Okay. Uh, Either they're on the table or they're, they're maybe uh, an extra one. Yeah, here's, here's one, Jay. Okay. So we're going to start with a few reflections. And what I want to do is to have us reflect, and again, much as in the tradition, in this time of change and transition, I want to invite us to reflect, and I'll take us in a guided way through these reflections, and we'll do a kind of uh, 
in, in several ways, will have this be uh, participatory. You know, there'll be several dimensions to this and chance for people to speak as well. Um, first thing I would like you to invite you to do, and, and uh, we're, we're, this is where we'll need the microphone in just a moment, because I'm going to invite, uh, invite us to speak. But I'd first like you to reflect on what has happened in this hall for yourself. You know, when you think over the years, so much has happened, so many uh, amazing experiences. I mean, it's not hard to think that there have been life-changing insights have occurred here probably for thousands of people. You know, that there have been deepening experiences, there have been difficult experiences. People have met lifelong friends here. I imagine, I don't know for sure, that people have met here and marriages have come out of this. Maybe children who wouldn't have come into existence without this hall being here. I don't know that for sure, but I imagine that has to be true, something like that. You know, uh, people have brought forth their distress and found uh, often wisdom or insight or a caring person. There have been visionary teachers here. We've had teachings most days of the week here for a long time. You know, probably thousands of teachers have come through here. You know, so many guest teachers and certainly uh, thousands and thousands of sessions in here. We can reflect on that. You know. What's occurred here has really brought out a whole evolutionary process for the, for really for the earth, for the human species. I think what part of what's happened here has been really the, you know, we can talk about it in a number of different ways. We can talk about it as the sort of the uh, rebirth of spirituality. Part of the, this is part of the rebirth of spirituality in this culture. And it's also been uh, a process of exploration and learning, and in many ways, an integration of the best, we hope, of the rich, powerful traditions coming out of Buddhism and Asia with many of the liberating dimensions of Western culture. You know, for me, especially, the resources come from uh, Western psychology, from science, from social justice traditions. And I think there's been, um, I think also the, the emphasis on um, love and uh, deep personal relationships, all of that is in a kind of powerful evolutionary process that's bringing forth something that's never existed on the earth. And I think this hall has been a very central part of that. Something very mysterious is developing. I think that if I can speak without this appearing um, overly puffed up, you know, for not so much personally, but collectively, um, I think that we are part of the forward edge of evolution on the planet. 
And of course, if we think that, we have to look for self-image developing and <laughs> other issues. <laughs> but we have, we have in our practice numerous corrective mechanisms <laughs> for these sort of issues if they come up. Um, but I believe that, that, there, that this hall is not simply a building, but it's been a kind of a space for the birthing of something very beautiful individually, as a community, collectively. I think that's been happening. I want to invite you to reflect now on your own experiences here. For some of you, this is your first time, so you have a, a small sample. <laughs> but I want to uh, invite us just to take a few moments. You can close your eyes if you wish and just reflect on what's been important for you that's occurred in this hall. Again, it can be related to your meditation, your insights, something that happened for you that was helpful, important, that occurred here in this hall. I'll just take a, take a minute or two to reflect. And I'd like to invite us to see if we can uh, share, if you wish, uh, that experience in one sentence, just so that um, so we have time for hearing from several people. So not so much a story, but just one sentence. Like, for me, what came to mind is, um, in this hall, I shared... Uh, group meditation with my parents for the first time. So some, could be just one sentence like that. So raise your hand and we'll go around and just if you can share those, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. What, what came to mind was the number of people that I've brought here <coughs> as guests that are friends of mine that say, I know nothing about Buddhism. And I'll say, come to Spirit Rock with me. Yeah. And almost universally, everybody came away with something and some kind of shift. And that gave me great joy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Um, over, over all the years that I've been coming here, I have really gotten <coughs> impermanence at almost a cellular level. And it's, it's just... It's permeated my whole life in how I look at things and how I can let go. And I don't let go easily. Hmm. But the whole notion of impermanence, impermanence really helps yeah. me do that. Yeah, thank you. <coughs> Coming here um, gave birth to a new path in life hmm. for me. Well, thank you. We'll give you a little workout in. <laughs> I, I, um, 
what I've been really rewarded by is volunteering here at Spirit Rock and all the volunteer work that mm. I've done over the last. It's really been rewarding for me. It's really benefited. Yeah. You could also comment on anything you really like about the hall <laughs> or, or miss. <laughs> Please, Juanita. Uh, yeah. Being here has helped me um, come home to myself and step into my life more. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this, this building has been a place of refuge for me for mm. over half of my life. Wow. Even when I wasn't here, sort of just knowing it was here and then coming <coughs> back to the familiar, the tonka and the statues and everything has always been grounding and very special to me. Yeah, thank you. A few up front. For me, the first time I came here, I was overwhelmed by just the feeling of the building, the feeling of kindness and safety mm. and love. And all that had been put here by everybody's work and by their meditation just enormous, enormous feeling, wonderful. Mm. And it, every time I've come, it has been the same. And looking forward to being a little part of beginning to add that to the new building. Yeah. Thank you, Elizabeth. We have uh, up front and then on either side. Yeah. <coughs> <laughs> My husband came with me the first two times I came to this building to Monday nights, and those were the last two times that he ever came here. But were he here today, he would express a great deal of gratitude for all that I have learned mm. of practical value that has benefited <laughs> our relationship. Um, I'm torn between many different things, but what I really want to say is coming here has really enriched my practice and given me the support to maintain it and find some equanimity in my life and to forget it and re-remember it and to um, continue to move forward in a way I'd like to move forward. Yeah, thank you. For me, it also <clears throat> felt like coming home, and I've appreciated that Wednesday mornings in this building sort of exist as a floating island throughout the rest of the week Yeah, that's always there. Yeah. I started coming regularly as I was uh, ending one significant chapter in my professional life, and this was a place where I healed first and then where I grew. And uh, a few days ago, I accepted a new job. And I know now I can be mindful about it. I don't know if it's the best choice, and I don't know where it's going to go. But because of Spirit Rock, I'm OK not knowing. Hmm. And just being on the journey one day at a time. Yeah, thank you.
think I came here probably about 25 years ago, <laughs> the first time, I think. I'm not sure. It seemed like forever. But um, I felt a, an amazing uh, sense of community. And being here in this building with like-minded people who are on a path of growth and wisdom has made me feel like I'm not alone and that I can continue to grow and be a better person. And I want to thank this building for being here, <laughs> mm. <laughs> even though it's an inanimate object, but it's, <laughs> it's been um, a refuge for me. Yeah. only been coming here since February because um, I moved from the East Coast where I used to listen to uh, Donald and Sylvia on podcasts. Um, and so I've been trying to come to the Wednesday group, which is a, a, a beautiful group and a, and a real place of uh, warmth and, and, and uh, balance. Um, but I have to say, I'm going to miss this building because mm. it's a little bit funky. It's kind of <laughs> like your grandfather's old, you know, rundown cabin in the woods. And I was up to the other, the new building the other day because that's where the bookstore is. And it's beautiful, but it's like, it's big and it's big and uh, it just doesn't have, have this quality. So I'll, I'll miss this little space. Yeah. It's really nice. I'm married to a contractor, so over the years I've learned a couple of things about construction and buildings, and there was a point about a year ago when I thought there was every indication that one of the toilets in the women's room was going to drop right through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm grateful that that didn't happen. <laughs> These are sometimes signs that come with transitions. <laughs> uh, when I started coming to Spirit Rock, I, the very first time I came, I felt like I had found my spiritual home. Yeah. And um, I've volunteered here now for quite a few years. And I do have an attachment to this building. <laughs> um, I've worked in the bookstore and am now in the process of assisting in moving to the new bookstore. And they're both beautiful. And um, I'll miss this funky, yeah. funky building. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like uh, my dad's garage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, one or two more, and then we'll move to another. It's, it's hard to put, I, there's no way of putting everything into words. So the word that came to me as I'm listening to everybody and going through my own range of experience here over the past, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, uh, is germination. Uh, so much has germinated for me personally. And this building is, it's, it's sort of like 
it's going to kind of go away, but the space is still here. And it's like out of the ashes rises the phoenix. And everything that has germinated here will continue to grow and expand. And, and I feel that so much in my own personal experience in my life. It just gets bigger and bigger and but this is the place of germination. Yeah. And anyway, that's, that's about all I can, can put into words right yeah. now. Yeah, it's really pointing to this aspect of impermanence that things end, but in a sense, they don't really end. Right. Yeah. Hey, two more? Okay. Uh, we've acknowledged the uh, big gifts, like the $240,000 check. Uh, I just wanted to acknowledge the little gifts. Uh, the cushions over there drew my eye. Uh, right now, most of the cushions up there are, have drifted down from the retreat hall, uh, replacing the cushions that were there before as they wore out. Uh, the cushions that were there before were mostly just cushions that people brought in yeah. for other people to be comfortable in their sitting. Uh, there are so many gifts that made this place happen. Uh, the one word that just immediately came to my mind was sanctuary. Um, I started coming here about a year, two or three months a year, 14, 15 months ago, as a result of some very difficult um, events in my life. <coughs> and I started coming here Monday nights, Wednesday mornings, and Fridays to the yoga meditation. So. Every time I came here, it was like <clears throat> just a sense of peace that I needed at that time. And it's just been amazing over the past year, the, the changes. And I was just reflecting that, you know, several weeks ago, I was actually sitting up there talking, which I would have never even imagined a year ago. So I have a lot of um, feelings about <laughs> this place as a sanctuary. Yeah. Thank you, and I wanted to just add one piece of my own, which is that uh, I was reflecting that one really can't speak, I can't speak about this building without speaking about the land here, and just the, uh, I, I typically spend about 100 days a year here at Spirit Rock, and the land has such power and really holds this building and holds all of what occurs here. And, you know, sometimes we are here, and I, I know this, I'm sometimes giving a talk and some deer come by and the level of attention in my talk shifts from the typical 100% <laughs> to much less. And, but but the, uh, the, the land has such power, and again, it, it connects us with all the, all the ones who have been here. And there, there's a way in which the, the land is one of the points of continuity with the new buildings. We're still being here, we're held by the land, and we're brought out. You know, we're here sometimes where many of us linger or stay here and are connected with the land here as well. 
A second set of reflections I want to invite now, and this is where we'll need our piece of paper and a writing implement. <clears throat> and I'll invite you to <clears throat> divide the sheet that you have in a way into four quadrants, meaning you know, a vertical line and a horizontal line. And you can do this either on a half a piece of paper or however large your size your paper is, just uh, not so much by folding, but just by, uh, you can fold it and, and then reopen it or however, but let's, we want to end up with four quadrants. And I'm going to ask for uh, reflections and maybe just to do a little bit of writing. And eventually I'm going to uh, invite people to bring the writing and leave it in the bell and I'm going to bury it in the land. If you want to take some notes of what you wrote down, you can do that before we do that. But this is going to be both about what in relation to the hall we're letting go of and what our intention or aspiration is. And as I mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm also do this uh, both personally in relation to our own life, our own practice, and then in relationship to the community. So let me clarify that a little bit. Um, the left-hand side is going to be about my own personal practice. And what I'm going to in invite you to reflect on what at the present time in your life feels appropriate to let go of. Doesn't have to do anything to do with the whole, but just very personally, what, what is appropriate to let go of? And then secondly, what aspiration at this present time is on your mind or what intention? What sort of edge of development or learning is there personally. So it might be, I might be saying, I want to really let go of fear. And I want to move into uh, really doing more what I love. Could be something like that. Could be at that level or could be very specific. So is that, is that clear? Something personal that we want to let go of and then something personal that we feel like we're moving towards. Again, this is reflecting and honoring that even as there's a transition with the building, we can let that remind us of our own transition. Much as I'm experiencing dealing with my mother's stuff, you know, it's really bringing up a lot about my own transition as well. So, and then on the right-hand side, in relationship to the community, Spirit Rock, what do, we let, what do we want to let go of? <clears throat> Obviously, we're letting go of the building. <laughs> but we might want to let go of some, something that doesn't, you know, that's not serving us anymore. And then what aspirations do we have? What's an aspiration that we have for the new building? <clears throat> Is that clear enough? So uh, on the left side, me, my personal letting go, my personal aspiration at this time, on the right-hand side, letting go for the community. So I might say, I want to 
let go of uh, I want to let go of this building with appreciation. Could be that, or I want to let go of um, you know tightness that's in the community, or whatever it might be. And then, what do I aspire towards? So, take a few moments to reflect on this. Anyone need more help on that? Is that clear enough? Okay. So, so try to finish up, take another minute or so. <clears throat> and again, if you want to keep a copy, do that in some way, as I'll be inviting us to bring this into the, the bell, and it will be, in a way, integrated with the land and the new building.
And as we finish up, I think I'll, I will be, as we will come, uh, one by one, to deposit our documents of letting go and aspiration in the bell, we'll be chanting the chant of impermanence. Okay? And I have, uh, have both uh, the original language, the Pali, and then the English. And we've done this uh, a few times here, so you may remember this. And I'll have it go through once, and then you can join in. <coughs> so it's, it's Anicca Watasankara Upatawa Yadamino Upakitawa Niruchanti Desang Upasamo Sukho. All things are impermanent. They arise and they pass away. To be in harmony with this truth brings peace. And we use a melody that goes like this. Anicca vata sankara upato wa yadami no upakito wa niruchanti desang upasamo sukho. Let's continue chanting together. And when you're ready, you can come. If you want to fold up your sheet or leave it uh, unfolded, come when you're ready and deposit it in the bell. Anicca vata sankara upatawa yadamino upakitawa niruchanti desang upasamo sukho. Anicca vata sankara upatawa yadamino upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho Anicca vata sankara Upatawa yadamino Upakitawa niruchanti Desang upasamo sukho, and now in English. All things are impermanent, 
they arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace all things are impermanent they arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace all things are impermanent they arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace one more time all things are impermanent they arise and they pass away to be in harmony with this truth brings peace and now just staying with your own aspiration both personally and your aspiration for the community and the new hall just staying with that for a moment <clears throat> And see if you can put your aspiration for the new hall and the, on the community level, see if you can put that in one word. Embodiment. Yeah, let's hear them. Embodiment. Fellowship. Fellowship. Friendship. Friendship. Evolution. Evolution. Growth. Growth. Inclusive. Inclusive. Abundance, yeah. Safety. Safety. Radiating. Radiating. Gratitude. Gratitude. Hope. Hope. Love. Peace. Peace. Inspiration. Inspiration. Harmony. Harmony. Light. Light. Wisdom. Wisdom. Sustainable. Sustainable. Strength. Happiness. Compassion. Courage. Miracles. Hmm. So may these aspirations be held by us. Maybe remember them as we stay connected to the community and continue to practice responsiveness. <laughs> May our aspirations make a difference. May our aspirations and our way of enacting them make a difference in this community. May they make a difference in our lives. May they make a difference in our world. And may all of the beautiful intentions and reflections, all of the letting go, personally and collectively, may these all contribute to greater understanding, greater freedom, greater love, greater beauty, 
greater community, for ourselves and ultimately for all beings. So this is resonating with all our intentions. So things have changed, some things are ending, but nothing really ends. All of this is continuing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.